0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Being Heard podcast. Today we have Angela from Equine Elevation with us and I'm so excited because we've just connected and in the past five minutes of talking to her, we're already just flowing and communicating in a way which feels so right and easy and balanced and important for everyone else out there. So we're actually really lucky to have Angela today because she is a horsewoman who, in my opinion, and also, it's just the truth, has a really wide range of experiences with horses. As a voice who's able to represent what the horses that she has in her life and who's able to just share the horse voice in general, she has this really foundational background, which I love because it means that in conversation or just working with her one-to-one or however you're going to end up meeting her, she has that to offer. She It isn't just one-sided, it's a full spectrum. So Angela used to be a competitive rider and trainer before letting go of that path to lend her energy to the horse medicine world that she lives in today. And is now a dedicated and committed student of the horse, as she says on her website. So through blending all of this eclectic knowledge, Angela has, again, just from reading her content, really, really dedicated her full heart and soul to this path. And by doing that, has contributed and continues to contribute to the collective consciousness, which is rising and shifting so much in the equine industry. So it was crazy reading through her website and seeing how many similarities there are between her path and what she's sharing and my personal journey and what I like to share and what I've been through, but didn't know that anybody else was going through. So it's great that we're coming together to share this conversation with you. And without further ado, welcome Angela to the Being Heard podcast.
1: Wow. Thank you so much for such a lovely intro. Um, I'm really excited to be here speaking with you and I'm honored to be on your podcast. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Okay. So one question I do like to ask everyone, and this kind of changes depending on what the feel is of the day, but what does it feel like for you when you're really listening to your herd and horses in general? What does that feel like?
1: Ooh, peace and oh, deep connection with myself and deep knowing of everything. Um, it's it's just like um, being so anchored in my body, and there's such an overwhelming feeling of safety in those moments of just like acceptance of self and of there's, there's nothing to do. There's nothing's missing. There's no, you know, all these kind of maybe more mind oriented pieces that come in and tell us all these stories about what we should be doing or who we should be or all this, like it all just melts away and I can just, I can just be with them. Um,
0: I think peace is, the overwhelming word I would use and and anchored. When I hear you say peace, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, how do we know what peace is, you know, again, in in a world that can feel incredibly unpeaceful and chaotic. And I think that the work that we're doing with horses and the horses really invite us into is such a re-education of what that feels like in our bodies, like to get into our bodies through the journey that they take us on, but then to also, while doing that, completely reorganize and almost, like, embrace and open our arms to deeper states of regulation and calm and centeredness and peace. And, like, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting concept in and of itself. Like, how how many people do you think really get to sit in that bubble of listening, a.k.a. peace, on a regular basis and how important horse medicine is because the answer to that question is probably not very many
1: you know it's so ironic to me because you touched on how like my beginnings was in the the riding competitive world would i've ever used the word peaceful to describe my relationship with horses or the way i felt around horses in that time no (laughs) you can't find a picture of me well perhaps there's one there's one picture of me smiling on the back of a horse in competition. Any other image, video, whatever you see of me, I look like I am preparing for battle. Mm-hmm. The seriousness, the um, the pressure of perfection that I put on myself and the horse I was riding. And all of these pieces that we learn in that world of like how dangerous horses are. And how often that's true. How many times have I been, you know, in situations where I've been hurt, injured, fallen off, whatever, broken things Same. with yeah. horses, right? So you go like, oh, true. So it's so interesting to hear myself say that, you know, when I am with horses, I feel this overwhelming peace and safety and and feeling of being anchored in myself because that only came through my journey in horse medicine. and you know, actually yesterday I was with the herd and all of them, there were 10 of them. I took a video. It, all you can see is like muzzles because they were so close to me and a past version of myself would have said that is so unsafe. You can't sit there and let these horses stand over top of you. Like, right. Mm. That's such an inherent thing that, that we learn. And yet I felt so held and supported. It was like they cocooned me in this space where no one even knew I was there. I was just in this other world with them and with myself more importantly, because they weren't even asking they weren't even asking me for connection with them per se. They they just held me and they were like, go within. You you're we've got you. And I was I felt so safe. And it, you know, it never even crossed my mind till just having you say that that what a spectrum of experience that people have with horses from this one end where it's this constant like state of how do I keep myself safe from this dangerous animal to the other spectrum where it's like I'm fully surrendered in the space surrounded by 10 horses who are literally all around me, touching me, standing over me. And I've never felt really more safe in a circle of Thousand pound non predatory animals. It's
0: wild. (laughs) Yeah, it's important because there are so many people who are living somewhere on that spectrum. You know, within the equine industry, I'm talking about, of course. So, you know, there are people who are still riding and might still be in that template of basically functioning from a place of trying to be safe or force and the conditioning. You know, and where you and I are sitting now is towards or on or you know because the spectrum I feel is always growing and changing and shifting so where we are two years from now is going to be completely different but now it's in this place of a more deconditioned environment within us and around us towards our horses of this is safe of defining what safety is around horses which looks completely different because when actually the dominance is is either gone or moving out so when you were saying that, what I feel is it's so important for people to hear other people talk about experiences like that so that they can think and begin to just open their minds around, oh, wow, that's possible. And that's enough. Like, that's enough. I get to just sit with my horses and feel safe. And that's enough. You know, what that does for our collective consciousness and like how that kind of you know, fireworks out energetically into the whole collective, which then we're leaving behind as a legacy anyway for other people to come through into. And also when you were describing that, which is something I wanted to touch base with you on anyway, is this energy of like returning to the mother, which Mm. I really felt again, when I was reading through your content in terms of this piece around Uh, safety. And I wrote, you know, the, the mother energy really came through in terms of self abandonment, which is what you spoke about in one of your uh, posts around attachment or an authenticity or attachment versus authenticity and how, Mm -hmm. you know, the opposite of self abandonment is returning home. We are naturally going through this return home to the mother, as I like to perceive all of nature as that. And that's what I felt and saw when you were speaking as well of like, that's, the feeling of safety. Safety is is within the mother within us as well. So what I also find interesting is that both you and I have this very close dynamic with a herd of horses who we've lived with for a period of time. And I know that you're not actually living with your herd now. And how did you come to be with your herd? I'd love to just for you to just talk about your journey a little bit from where you were to where you are now. Sure. Well,
1: to go all the way back, so Dido was my first mare, and at that time I was living. So I live in Canada, so I was living in Nova Scotia, which was the east coast, and I was just getting back into riding as a, a young adult, a young adult who had just graduated from journalism school and was in my just starting my you know profession and all those things. And the the long and the short of it is, the horse I was part boarding was not a good fit for me. You want to talk about fear, was terrified of this horse. And every time I sat on her, I'm sure she felt how terrified I was and it would move through her body and back through mine. And I mean, I fell off more times than I stayed on. And I was like, this wasn't the reintroduction to riding that I was hoping for or had envisioned in my mind of how romantic it would be to get back into riding and, you know, fulfill this childhood dream of having my own horse and all these things. So I decided I wanted to buy my own horse and ended up buying Dido which um, if you've ever listened to my podcast, you know that that was a terrible idea because Dido was (laughs) a nine-year-old green horse who basically they had tried to start her under saddle, deemed her too difficult, decided to breed her instead. And then from there, she landed at this farm where I was still learning how to ride. So she was just sitting in a field, 200 pounds underweight, the project horse, right? The idea was they'd buy her, they'd train her, flip her, reseller, all that sort of stuff. So, I wanted a horse that I could create a connection with and build a relationship with. And I wanted to really be part of this training process to work together. And, you know, what I don't know what I thought that was going to look like as a green, you know, rider who hadn't been riding for like 10 years at that time. But that was the kind of package that we were sold. Like, my trainer was going to help me, and I was going to work with this horse, and she'd work with me. And it was going to be this beautiful experience. And really quickly, it turned into I'm terrified of my horse. Mm. I didn't know what to do with her behaviors. She was in a lot of pain, which I did not know at that time. Um, of course, you can take your lens backward and go like, "Oh, all of these things make sense." You know, why would she rear on the way to the arena? They don't be like, "Oh, she would never do that." That's not the t-. okay, but she is doing that, like you put her on the lunge line and she'd race like race. Like, of course she's not balanced. She can't go in a circle. Of course, you know, she's cold back. So you try to sit on her and she, she literally the first time I sat on her, she like vibrated so much that I fell off into a pile of chairs, like everything. Whenever it was so dramatic, we were standing still and it was like this explosion had happened. And she just put her head down to me and was like, are you okay down there? And I I just knew, I was like, there's a connection with this horse. It makes no sense at all. It's not logical. Nobody would ever in their right mind say, yeah, you should buy this horse, but I did. And so because of all of that, that's how I quickly ended up with my second horse because I couldn't actually ride Dido. Nor could I train her and I was terrified and all of these things. So the idea became, let's get a horse you can actually ride and learn with and then become this better horse person to hopefully then translate that over to Dido. So within like was it three months? I went from having no horses to having two horses. <laughs> wow. Welcome to me. I'm always into the deep end. Sometimes I don't even realize there's a deep end. I'm just like, oh, I thought I was in the deep end, but apparently I'm in the ocean. Here we go. All right. <laughs> so I ended up with these two horses, and then really quickly, um, my partner at that time was relocated to the other side of the country. So not a short relocation, but like a five thousand kilometer relocation. So I had to choose what I was going to do. Um, And I could only afford to bring one horse. And I decided to bring my Rio Pony because she's the one I could actually ride. And I wasn't afraid of her. And I felt like I could, you know, learn. And the idea was Dido would stay and she'd be in training with my coach. And then when I could afford to, I'd send for her. And this was a really key turning point because this was the first time that I started to question what my trainer at that time was saying and in a way i think intuitively i knew that she was more how can i say this kindly that she actually didn't know as much as she felt that she knew and there was a part of me that knew that but the larger part of me said well what do you know you've been out of horses for so long this woman has a farm uh you know She trains horses. She does all this competition stuff. She teaches lessons. She knows more than you. You should listen to her. Mm, Like the override. Right. So we did all that. I went out to Alberta. And when I got there, my new coach, who I'd known for a second, was like, I'm really sorry to have to tell you this, but she was supposed to ride Rio before I got there so she could get to know her a little bit. She was like, I can't ride your horse. She's not rideable. Like her feet are in terrible condition her saddle doesn't fit. She has back pain and she's underweight. Like I can't ride this horse. And I was like, what are you talking about? And so she started going through all this stuff with me and I just mm. completely lost it. it was bawling my eyes. And I'm like, oh my God, all these things that I thought were going right. And were not. And immediately my heart just sank into my gut. Cause I like, I've left Ido behind. And now I realize I've left her behind with someone that actually doesn't know what they're doing in the way that I trusted them to. So I was so stressed. I'm like, my horse on the other side of the country. I'm here. What am I going to do? I I can't leave her there now that I know what I know. And yet I can't really afford to get her here. What am I going to do? And so I scrambled and I figured it out and I had her sent out. It was extremely stressful situation. And when she arrived, I realized that no one had looked at her in three months. Her feet were like, I'd never seen feet that long. And she had shoes. She was at least 200 pounds underweight. I cried when she came off the trailer because I was like, who is this horse? What have I done? And so that was a huge turning point for me to start to realize that even though I didn't know what these trainers and and these people who knew more than me knew, there was a part of me that was saying, You need to trust more in yourself in this, and so that was like, that was man. Dido has been such a teacher for me, but that's kind of how I started to go like, okay, so I'm gonna learn more. I've gotta really like figure this out for myself and my horses. I don't want to be this person who's constantly just following whatever. I want to be a part of this. I don't want to be like a backseat horse owner. I want to be in the forefront. I want to be doing this with them. So fast forward, we moved to Ontario. So I take the the two horses there. But this time I was like, I know what I'm looking for. I have a better sense of who I'm looking for because I knew I needed support still, but I didn't want to be completely overrun. I wanted someone who was going to be knowledgeable, but but share that knowledge with me and, and not, be, not be one of those types of people who's like, you need me forever. I wanted someone who could help me develop and who was going to be okay with that. And so we ended up at this other place and it was good for a time. And then the pattern reemerged. But in that time, I ended up getting my three other horses. (laughs) So now I've got this herd of five. Uh, I'm riding competitively. I'm training horses. I'm in school, becoming a body worker. And I'm starting to really open my mind and, and see what's actually in front of me. And I'm like what is going on in the horse world? Like, why can we be literally standing beside these horses, working with them every day and not see anything that's actually going on? Like, like it's like, it was like being, I, I don't even know. It's like, you're in the matrix or something. And it's like, this hologram is just showing you something, but it's not real at all. Like, and so I went into this really dark place of like, how do I reconcile these worlds. And how do I cuz <laughs> the truth is that like deep within in my core like I absolutely love riding. The feeling of riding is un- unmatched by anything else I've ever experienced. When you are in that connection with a horse in a ridden way, I mean I've cried literal tears of joy. Yeah. Right? But I I couldn't figure out how to reconcile the way that I wanted to be with them and also to honor them in the ways that I was learning through my bodywork practices and like taking this whole horse approach to making sure that I'm not doing more harm by riding them, which at that time I was. And also understanding that fact, that very real fact that I had been causing a lot of harm to my horses, realizing that having to sit in it, dealing with the guilt, dealing with the shame by myself because nobody else in my world was considering that they were causing harm to their horses or going through those same things as me. And, you know, it was just like, it was just like this giant void. I'm like, I have a million questions and no answers. What do I do? I, I know there's this way, like, and I also knew I needed to find it from within myself, but I didn't have the trust level at that point to just say like, Okay, I'm gonna just like bail on all of this, move all the horses home, and figure it out myself. I wasn't there yet, but that was the foreshadowing of what my my kisses mare was trying to really bring into me is like we want you to trust yourself. We want you to trust yourself, and that's a hard that's a hard thing to hear, right? I know
0: it's it's such a big ask. Sometimes can feel like such a big ask, Um, but then in hindsight, when you look back, it's a massive bridge between. Like where you are and where you're going. So yeah, and
1: and so at that time, um, my indie horse had been getting into so many problems. He was a baby at the the farm, and so they basically decided like your horse is an escape artist. He can't be outside anymore. And he's a yearling, and I was like, well, he can't live in a stall. That's not acceptable. He needs to be outside. He needs to be with the herd. And I had this small farm, but it was a nursery, so it wasn't pastures. It was plants, and I was like you know what? I'm going to put up a paddock, the biggest one I can make. And I'm moving these horses home. I'm going to bring Indy and his little brother. So my yearling and my weanling, like y'all are moving home and this is what we're going to do. And then at that time, my real pony had moved on. I had, um, rehomed her in order to bring phantom into my life, which was, there was no way I was saying no to him, which is a whole other story, but It broke my heart to part with her, but I always said, if I ever have space at home, like we, I actually bought that farm for her to retire on. And so the circumstances of life brought her back. And so she moved home with the two boys. And now I have these two very different worlds I'm simultaneously living in. Cause now I'm caring for horses on my own property, doing whatever I want. We want co-creating this experience together. And I've got my other two horses at this boarding farm where I don't have these, I don't have this freedom, and they don't have that freedom. And we're having to live right the way that the rules of that farm dictated we had to live. And so I'm like, we're in this box over here, and we're like, freedom over here, and going like, okay, here I am with this spectrum again, this reconciliation of like these two worlds. And I'm working as a professional every day, going into these barns, seeing these horses, the way they're being treated, and they're, It was just so much um, conflict within me. How do I reconcile all these things? And how do I do this work with horses while also honoring not just what they're telling me, but also like the human's journey in all of this? Because I didn't know what I didn't know. And so it wasn't fair for me to judge these people either in what they were doing. And so how do I just show up and help Like, how do I just be of service? And it was just, I didn't know. There were all these questions. And ultimately, in 2020, my mom was ill and she ended up in hospital. And I had my horses at all these different places. I was like, Kate, you guys will need to move home. I'm at the hospital every day. I can't be going to all these different barns and working and all this. So, all five horses ended up at home. And then COVID hit and the world stopped. And now I've got all my horses in my backyard. I can't I can't ride because I don't have anywhere to ride. I can't work because you're not allowed to leave your home. The barns are all shut down. And I've just got this massive pause. And literally the only thing there was to do was be, was just be with them. And I was caught between these moments because I'd go outside and I would just be with them for hours. And it was amazing and do anything. And it felt, it felt like such a blessing. Cause I was like, I'm exhausted. I've been through the ringer, you know, I, not only did I lose my mom, but my grandma in the same week, like wow. then there's COVID all these things. And, and yet this other part of me was like, I would stand outside and cry because I wanted to ride. And I had all these plans and I loved it. And the passion was there. And, I'm, and, and again, I'm like looking at these two things going like they don't match in my heart. They don't match. And that's when I really got into horse medicine. And, you know, you can look at it and go like, well, the path was clearly paved for me to arrive there. Because if you, you know, look back on my life, it, I love the hindsight and you look back and go like, oh yeah, duh, there's all the dots just lined right up. Perfect. Yet when you're living it in those moments it feels like so much uncertainty and you're like how do I even take a step? And what I what I was able to start recognizing was that my horses were truly guiding me throughout this whole process and I started to realize they were guiding me to horse medicine and I was like I need to listen and see what this is. And so that's the the short version <laughs> of how I kind of arrived at at where I did was just like becoming a body worker was truly the catalyst to catalyst is not the right word it planted the seed that sprouted into this whole garden of this complete other way of being with horses and it opened up my intuition and it reconnected me to myself and it opened me to what was possible because my journey, my spiritual journey came through that practice of like being in barns with horses and having my hands on horses and them showing me things that I'm like, what is happening right now? And like, who the heck can I talk to about this? And am I insane? Like, have I completely lost I'm going crazy? And yet it's so palpable when, when you're the one in the experience and there's just this point where you go like, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks or sees, because what I'm feeling is so real, there's no more denying it. And and, and that's really what, what it was. When I couldn't deny it anymore, as the person who was experiencing it, that's when I was like, okay, guys, I surrender, like, then teach me, I want to know. And I started to let my horses take more of the lead at that point.
0: That's amazing. I love what you said I love all of that but I love that one of that with those final pieces around like when you can't deny it anymore it's like I I feel that what happens then is like our external world and our continual choice to follow the like the breadcrumbs and follow our soul's path the external world ends up mirroring back so much like again to use his word like criteria to us to change our belief systems so it's like, even though you had nowhere to go and no one to talk to and that lonely place of like, what you know, what the hell's going on? Because you kept going and you kept paving your own way through listening and through the I just keep saying like choice after choice after choice, like every <laughs> single, you know, moment and every single day that we're alive, we're just faced with these continual choices. And that will, of course, open up multiple different paths to us. But the choices that you made meant that your external world kept mirroring back to you the ultimate like shift within your own inner narrative by your own action you know so it's like it's so i love that so the other thing that really came through when you were sharing your story was this the way you described like the void and that space <laughs> and i really feel this like you know when we're when we're in the void it's more like we're kind of on the edge of like a massive lake, you know, and like, we don't know what the hell is in the lake. And like, it just feels too scary to get into because it's like really maybe dark in the lake and you don't, you're not a swimmer or whatever it is. And there's all this tension that gets created with like the questions that you're asking yourself and the doubt and the beliefs that you're like hitting up against. And before we got into recording this as well, you and I were touching on that space between our intuition and our knowing And the space between that and why we wouldn't follow that in the first place. You know, the space that maybe gets created from childhood, when we're just naturally following our inner guidance and everything feels very simple. And then there's the space that gets created because, again, the world tells us not to trust ourselves for multiple different reasons. And the way you are in this huge void or on the precipice of it, and then at the same time, it feels like one like around 2020, everything that happened just made you like jump straight into the lake and into that water. And <laughs> there was no, no escaping it or like no going anywhere else. And the outcome of that is that you have dived into horse medicine, which so you built this whole, like constructed this whole new world for yourself. And your horses are probably like weaving all of that into place anyway with you. And now you're here. And just energetically, it feels so different, like the, the lightness to it, which comes from having to have, you know, face that courageous point of, I have no idea and how scary that is and how like, Almost like crumbling. It feels like I have no idea, and I, and I'm I'm designed to know, but I don't know in the way I meant to know. But I know that I do know deep down. You know <laughs> that sounds really complicated, but it's actually really simple. But
1: that tracks perfectly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and um, so what I want to ask you now is like, you know, now you're really living this world of horse medicine. You have so many different offerings. You've you're a body worker, so you um you train, and you're an equine. Is it bow or bow? Uh, bow. Equibo, Equibo. Equibo, which is a mixture of Feldenkrais, Cranusacral, Bowen, and something else? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Those three. And and you have all these different offerings from this foundational space of medicine that you have um, really dived into with your horses. So what is horse medicine for you when you were at that point in your life and you were like, you, all you could do was be, and all you could do was essentially listen and let go of all of those narratives of, again, wanting to ride but not being able to, and just coming to a place of being. What was the core medicine at that time that you found and you kind of that flourished through you and that now you work with?
1: Oof. <laughs> That's a big one. You know, um my mind wants to go one way, but my body's telling me differently. And There was a horse I met named Rudy through my training in horse medicine. Let's see if I can get through this without crying. Rudy, Rudy took me to a place within myself that I did not know existed. It's so almost futile to put words to these energetic experiences, these spiritual experiences, because it's like, it almost feels like speaking the words It's like sacrilege or something, but (laughs) Rudy was such an impactful horse for me because when I arrived at the, at the retreat center, there's a herd of 28 and I immediately saw him through my bodywork eyes because he was this giant horse whose life was written all over his body. And clearly he'd had a rough life, a rough life of being used Mm -hmm. as a tool. And I literally couldn't look at him. It it was too painful for me to look at him. And so I avoided him the whole six days I was there. And on the fifth fifth night, I was um, journaling. And I kept hearing his name. And I was like, "Mm -mm, no, I can't do it. I went to bed. And he came in my dream. I was like, no, can't do it. Next morning, I'm journaling. And literally, if you look, I think I still have the journal somewhere. And it was just rudy, rudy, like over and over and over again. And I was like, okay, I got to surrender. There's something here. So in the morning, I said, you know, okay, I got to have this exchange with this horse. I don't know what it is. It feels so loaded. I'm There's all this emotion around it. And I, I had no idea what it was going to be. And I didn't know what to, what to expect. And... The entire herd, I know it will sound crazy, but like they literally orchestrated this experience with myself and this horse to the point that they like made a circle around us, like 20 plus horses in a circle around myself and Rudy and his two friends who he was always with. And I actually didn't know that till I opened my eyes and I looked around when it was over and I was like, it was one of those experiences you can't deny and he just showed me and he started to share with me that this perception i had of him based on his body based on his physical presentation was not the experience he felt within that body and i did not know that those two things could be different truly i did not know that he was in this place of already like transcending that experience and that he didn't hold any judgment or um regret or like Anything, any of these human things that we... And I'm going to just speak to my own experience for a second, because let's not try to generalize for the whole public. But I know enough that not the only one who's experienced this. I felt the pain of everything he had gone through. And I was so angry. Like, I had so much rage within me that that was done to this horse, this beautiful horse. And he was like, you are gaining nothing from holding that perspective. In fact, the energy that you're bringing into the space when you look at me that way is perpetuating it. Focus on what you want to see and feel the reality of how I am living. And when he showed me what that was and he shared that feeling with me, (laughs) it was like, it was transcendence. It was the closest thing I'd ever experienced to some sort of like, I don't know, spiritual awakening, this moment of like nothingness and everything. And the way my body felt was like, (laughs) I can't describe it. It was like the most incredible feeling I'd ever felt. And I was like, this horse is feeling that while simultaneously living in this body that's like completely broken down. How is that possible? And that was what horse medicine started to do for me. It broke me out of my shell of what I thought I was, the ways I thought I was showing up in service of these horses. And he showed me like, there's another way to be in service of us and, and what it is. And, you know, it wasn't the first time i had kind of received this message, but I think it was the actual time it landed or started to It still took me a while after this, but focus your energy on what you want to see and don't get so caught up in what you're perceiving is. and ask me if that's true for me right like we create these stories um i have created so many stories around horses that i've worked with and i never asked i didn't even know that was a possibility honestly to ask but they started to show me this whole other thing where like <laughs> yes we can work towards all of these improvements and you know, not treating horses as tools and not causing harm, of course, that's part of the evolution that's hopefully we're working toward that, right? And also understanding that these horses have free will and they're choosing to partner with these with us and with all these different people. And that it's not all just like this human perception that we see, that they're choosing to be in a place where they're supporting that human, there's teaching going on, there's a journey, there's a contract, like all of these things are happening. And so when I was showing up with my ego forward saying like, this is wrong and these are the ways that we have to change it. And this is like, this is the path. What they showed me was like, there is no single path. There is no one way. This is about each of us in this partnership with our horses. And so what they really started to show me in horse medicine was like, if you want to really create an impact, you need to find a way to work with the human and the horse together and support the journey that they're moving through together. It's not one or the other. And one thing they really said to me that's always stuck was like, we rise together. Mm-hmm. We, It's not one or the other. It is, We're here in partnership with humans to do this co-creative evolutionary journey. It's not about one or the other. It's about us both. And it changed everything because that's when I realized like, I can't just do body work anymore. I need to work with the humans as well. And it's such a common theme of body workers that I've worked with and trained where like they get into body work because they don't want to deal with people. Right? I want to work with animals. I don't want to work with people. And it's like, but the reality is every horse is connected to at least one human. And, and ultimately they're the one booking the session and paying the fee and hopefully doing the work in between sessions and ultimately they're the one making those decisions for those horses. So if we skip over that part or we bring judgment to their experience and their journey, we're actually not serving the horses that we so desire to serve. So like these are some of the big themes that horse medicine has you know brought into my life and have shaped the way that I now do my work.
0: Yeah, it's so powerful. Thank you. And it's, there are again, so many similarities or like resonant points on my path where, yeah, I have had like such similar realizations based off what they are saying and what they're showing me. And that's not just once, but like many times in different ways and because of different reasons or because of where I'm at and I need to see and all this, you know, different things, but it's, what is that line as a body worker of, and my craniosacral teacher Maureen, she always says, like, you know, we have it's. There are three processes going on when you're giving a session: it's the horses, the clients; it's in the horses, the human client, and your own, and they're all intertwined. And what is that line that you find now between that having your body worker lens on and the higher mind perspective, which is what I would call what Rudy showed you and shared with you? Mm. How do you walk those two worlds now? So, let's say you're going to give a horse a session, how do you carry those lenses within you?
1: So, I really had to become a student of detachment. I needed to learn how to observe the body without judgment. And my horses. They actually made me create a course called Assessment Foundations. And they said, you're going to do this and you're going to do it in a way that you are teaching people how to see these things without casting judgment. And to what degree of success I've been able to do that, I'm not sure. I've certainly, you know, I try. I try to really explain it and also everyone has to kind of get there when they can get there but what ha- i had to learn how to detach myself from what i was seeing and ultimately what made that easier was the knowing that every horse has free will that there are contracts in place between them and their humans and there's a journey that is being undertaken and so that's the one si- the one side the other side is put your ego aside and just listen to the body
0: yeah. Love that.
1: Be the only thing that I need to do is be present and be the most open and clear channel I possibly can be. The moment I find my mind getting fixated on well I have to use this protocol, I need to work on this part of the body, I any of those narratives, I know I'm not a channel anymore. I know my human agenda has come in. And I have to keep in my mind all the time that because I have this knowledge does not mean I know better than the body. So whenever I get into those moments, it's, it's, a, it's a massive practice of self-awareness and of witnessing myself and my mind and my thoughts. Am I still listening to the body? Or am I deciding that because of this presentation, I must work on your thoracic sling today. Because of this presentation, 100% I'm going to be working, let's say, in the pelvis. Whatever it is, we're definitely doing occipital cranio. Are we? I don't know. The body is going to tell me. The horse is going to tell me. And so, truly, the biggest thing I can do is show up, as I say, present and as that clear channel and just listen and let the horse's body guide the session. Not necessarily, now, this is a tricky area of discernment, not necessarily the horse, but the horse's body. When I say that, what I mean is we have to develop trust with a horse, which means if a horse says no, we have to listen. So if I'm looking at an area and a horse is pinning their ears before, like just from the energy of me looking there, but I know that's a hard no, we're not getting there. But what can happen in time and what does happen in time is when you build that rapport with a horse, you can start to get past the pain response. Like the reaction is what I mean to see of like, this always hurts, you cannot go there, to a point of like, if your body's asking for that, can we work together so I can support you in a way that you feel safe still in this space with me and your body gets what it starts to need. So I hope that's clear. But what it really means is like, you can arrive at a place of trust within yourself and with the horse where you're now saying like, even though I know this will be uncomfortable, I know this is what your body's asking for. Can you trust me and can we work together? And and that's really ultimately that discernment between, you know, what is the body asking for and what is the horse asking for? Because sometimes the horse is just going to move from that reaction of, well, last time this hurt. So, this, so that's a no. But as we know with body work, so much shifts and change. So it can shift and change so quickly that we're constantly having to kind of update like it's like a refresh of your browser like well is that still true is that still true is that still true and so we're not just going by like that reaction but we're going by what's what is really happening in the body and sometimes we have to ask for a little bit of like of that trust from the horse to say i know your initial response is a no or that you'd rather not or there isn't full permission can we do this in a way that we can, we can gauge it. Can we start energetically and see if maybe, maybe a layer has actually been removed and we can do a little bit there. Um, but it's this constant dance of trust and consent. And I think what really also happens that's so beautiful in that process is that when, when owners and guardians are really open to the process and they witness that happening between the practitioner and the horse, so much gets to happen for them too. And I find that they end up becoming really intuitively connected into the session as well. And they're, they start to feel what's going on. And then it's such a beautiful way to organically have them be a process, part of the process where then they feel really invested as well. And they create this beautiful, deeper relationship with their horses too. And it can be such a healing experience for, as you know, as your teacher saying all three parties.
0: Yeah. Yeah, completely. And it's, the words that are coming to mind are like it's the deeper nuance of like embodied communication from a place of the body's intelligence for us as the practitioner and the mm. horse and whatever body of energy is in the space as well. Like so if the, the owner or guardian there as well and entrainment too. like, I think that when when those when that dance is in place and those layers shift and you can go deeper and that communication is happening. There is, in my experience anyway, I found there's like a bigger wave of energetics that get put into place. And I would call that also a healing space where you can suddenly feel that there is a physical shift happening, but there's just shifts reverberating through the space. And so then, I mean, I guess it's kind of like when a woman gives birth if she gives birth naturally, like her oxytocin and all the, you know, energy that comes out, then everybody else in the space gets to entrain with that. That's kind of the the parallel that I'm seeing. But um you know, the the owner of guardians in that space too, and they're very much involved energetically, um, because we wouldn't all be standing there together if we weren't meant to be. So um yeah, the deeper nuance of that communication. I think what you shared is so beautiful and will be really helpful for people as well when that mind, because you've you've really developed this. Uh, sounds like a real core value of moving down, like from the mind into the body, into the space of wisdom that you can then that you then move from. And I think that that comes from the discipline. I like to use that word, like the discipline of being with your horses every day and being in that space.
1: And having horses who are extremely clear and discerning yeah. and thank you kisses for teaching me that in a way that I couldn't miss, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I've, I often say that like, I'm a slow learner when it comes to my, my teachings with horses, like I'm a slow learner and they're very patient. And she taught me that in ways that were so clear because she was so clear about her body and it's like, once you start walking that path, you, you just can't, you can't go back to the other way anymore. It doesn't work.
0: Was she clear in the sense of you could only do what she would allow you to do, or you you had to be like, increase your sensitivity to the point where, you know, just to a greater degree, because she was so discerning, you know, because it was either a clear yes or a clear no. And how was that dance for you with her? That was my first question.
1: Well, Both. So clear in the sense of like you could think of her sacrum and she would pin her ears at you from across the field, and and another the other layer was that when I was talking about you know the horse and the horse's body, she's the one who taught me how to start to walk that line and and do that dance with a horse, to say like I get that you're saying no, but I'm actually trusting that your body's saying yes, so. How do we work together on this? Because I want, I want this to be consent based. And I want to be of service to you. And your body is actually showing me something different than than what your mind is is saying or like what you your, you know, I see my human, like what your horse is, it's like higher self and you know, earth plane self. So what I'm really saying is like when you tap into the body's intelligence, you tap into the higher self of the horse. I love how you said embodied communication. Couldn't say it better. This is one hundred percent what it is. Because if I'm not embodied, and that's another thing that she was very clear on, was like, well, you have to be in the right space to do bodywork, or else I I say no, even if I want it, right? Yeah. And yeah, of course, do you want to get bodywork from someone who's like <laughs> in a state, right? No, of course, no no. That's not that's not a very nice experience, right? So she taught me all those things, and um, when I learned. You know, the safety protocol is a horse is haltered and, and held or tied or cross tied or whatever that's right. There's some sort of way of keeping a safe space. And this is really more for the practitioner at home. I would offer bodywork free in the field. This is actually one of the big things where I was saying, like when my horses were at home and they were at the barn, like there was this massive, all these disconnects that were happening because at home, I just bring my stuff out to the field. And if they wanted it, they'd come in. And if they didn't want it, they wouldn't come in and there all this choice was starting to occur and in those other spaces that wasn't so much the case cuz like you had to go by the rules and be safe and all these things so but when you're fr- when you have a horse who's completely free in in a field and you're just offering something to them and you're having this very nuanced conversation about whether or not you can touch their body mm. and they can do anything they want they can turn and run and leave they can kick you they can bite you right they have all of this autonomy you become super sensitive.
0: Yeah. Can I can I just ask you something on that point? I just want to interject quickly. So when you are working with them freely in the field, which is also what I do here with mine, so w- like working off the basis of what you said about, okay, well, you know, the horse might be saying no, but the like, you know, the higher horse or the body's wisdom is saying yes how would that work in the dynamic of them being free? So let's say they said no and they moved away. Intuitively, would you then, you know, check in with that embodied communication and feel into whether the body was saying yes and then carry on, you know, say, moving towards them or like offering up that invitation? Because that's another layer of like super nuanced sensitivity too. And where the mind could come in and be like, oh, but, you know, they're walking away. So that means no, because they're free. You don't have that, quote, control that you know, the other end of the spectrum creates. And so how would that work for you? That's a great
1: question. So are we still in communication is the, is kind of the discernment. Like did the horse walk away, but they, they walked away maybe six feet and they stopped and really can still feel that our bodies are in connection or did the horse do the equivalent of like shooting me the finger and run to the other side of the paddock, right? Like I've, you know, my one mare. One day she, I had to laugh. So I'm like, I'm not even sure where this came from. But the vet came, and she thought that that was for her. And I had the halter in my hand, and I wasn't going for her. The vet was not there for her, but she was giving me the hard no. I'm not seeing the vet. And she like turned and actually kicked toward my head, and then ran to the other side of the field. And I was like, that felt like an extreme response. <laughs> but okay, yeah. that that would be a hard no. Now in that in that situation, if the vet was there for her, we'd have to have a conversation about well, actually. This is what's going on and let's arrive at a place, right? But in the question that you asked, it's like, my discernment is, are we still in connection? And a lot of times the no, if there was a walk away involved in it, it wasn't a, I'm walking out of the connection with you. It was just that I'm just walking out of the space. Either I need some space or, you know, I'm uncertain. Can you ask again in a different way? And if it was a case of like, I'm still feeling it's a yes and the horse is still giving me a no. And then it's something I'd circle back to later. You know, like next time I see, I'd be like, hey, have things shifted now? Now do you feel like it's okay? Because it, there's a timing element as well, right? And that's that's a really tricky piece of the work. When we um, are practitioners and we are humans living in our human world and having to create schedules and appointments and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, when the horse asks for it is when they're actually asking for it. So at the moment the horse asks for the session and then the human contacts you to book, but you're booking three weeks out, we may have missed the moment, right? So the thing that you were, the thing the horse was asking for then is probably not the same thing that they're going to be asking for on that day or available to receive on that day, right? So there's such a timing element to these things as well. And that's part of what I love about working. Just show, like my ideal scenario is I show up to a farm on any given day, I step into the herd and I just say, I'm
0: here. Yeah, yeah.
1: If you, if you want, come in. And you get to free flow like that.
0: And those are the words that I was hearing when you were just saying that is like, is is what's here. As well. Like, I'm here and what is present. And that's, you know, when you mentioned timing, a part of me is laughing. So I'm like, yeah, because I know that, it, like, in conversations I've had with my herd around time, you know, they've said a lot, but, you know, th- this continual replay of like, there is only now. And so, yes, you might make the appointment then. And then ultimately, you know, by the time the practitioner comes or that everything's set up, like, there's still only now. So, if it is both, isn't it? It's like how to have the human experience of what is shifting across that, those three weeks. And then also simultaneously holding that space of whatever is here is right, is perfect and is needed and relevant. And like, that's that trust as well.
1: And let me just add into that. That is what helps becoming detached, when you recognize that there is only the now, whatever whatever it was, whatever plan you had, whatever thing you thought, whatever you tested prior, what, whatever your process is, none of it matters in that present moment, except for whatever is, as you say, there in the present moment. So being present is the best teacher of detachment. You you literally can't be attached to anything if you're truly in that present moment. It's it's like, it's actually impossible.
0: I know, it's it's such a trip as well, because it's like, <laughs> Totally. It's like, it was, you also can't catch it. Like you can't. So I've thought about that sometimes it's a little bit of a segue. And then I definitely have something else I want to ask you, which is how do we even, okay. You know, when you're present in terms of, you know, again, anyone listening to this, who sat with horses in a state of presence or in meditation or just with their friends or themselves, you know, when you are present, like Sometimes I find myself thinking like, how do we also, how can you catch the present moment? You can't, because as soon as you go to put your awareness on it, it slipped away. And then again and again and again and again. And it's like, I love that trippy element to, it's like almost like a cosmic joke. It's like, oh, ha ha. And you also <laughs> can't, can't ever know that. So like, you just have to surrender to trying to figure it out. <laughs> But the other thing I wanted to say is when you mentioned how, you know, you would think about kisses sacrum and she put her ears back, what came through when you said that for me was like, she is also reflecting to you the power of your focus and your intention and your energy and your sensitivity. So she was also saying mm-hmm. like, yeah, she's so sensitive, but like, it's a reflection back to you of like, are you witnessing like just by you putting your focus on something, how much that's felt? You right. know? So safety um one thing that i wrote down again to touch on in this conversation is the line between survival and safety and you and i touched on this briefly beforehand and how horses are non-predatory animals as you said and they're one of their key essences and if they were humans the question would be am i safe and so we it's so interesting how we're two completely different species and yet there is such a Thread of a theme there, just experienced in different ways. And a human might feel not safe for, you know, of course, completely different reasons to a horse, but the element of the predatory nature of the world is very similar. And in your writing and, you know, the things that you shared online, your website, that came through as something that I wanted to touch on for some reason. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, on what I shared and how you've seen that within your herd and what they've taught you about that and working one-to-one with people and maybe some themes that have come up around that that you've seen regularly.
1: Well, Kisses is always around, even though she's no longer with us in the physical. In fact, she's more around now that she's uh, transcended her physical body. Um, She's an incredible horse uh guide now this is and this is uh something i learned or kind of like arrived at in my own opinion of these two what seemed like again uh different ends of spectrum which was being an equine body worker and being a facilitator of horse medicine i started to see how they're actually two sides of the same coin where in the bodywork practice the human shows up in support of the horse's healing And in the horse medicine practice, the horse shows up in support of the human's healing. And like, how is that not the most beautiful thing of all time? I mean, it just is for me in my world. (laughs) But the common theme there is, and, and you touched on it, we can't heal if we don't feel safe. And so really the power of all of this is creating and holding that safe space. And truly, that's all ever doing in any of these practices because without that nothing else can happen but what's really fascinating about the difference between the two species in my opinion is like horses are so uh, let me say this horses who have regulated nervous systems are very clear in the shift between sympathetic and parasympathetic as in when the threat is on they're heightened And when the threat has been removed, they come back into homeostasis. And we see that physically. They'll lick and chew. They they will ground. They'll roll. They'll shake. They have physical things that they do in that process of coming back into the parasympathetic rest and digest. Humans can build a whole world of unsafety in our minds that isn't even real. Yet feels very real. We all know we don't actually have to be on the beach to feel the sun shining on our bodies or the weight here, the waves crashing. Just right now, as I'm speaking about it, you're probably putting yourself on the beach, right? Yeah. So we're able to create an entire world just in our minds that may or may not be real. And horses don't live there; they very much live here in in this reality on this earth plane. So what I think is so beautiful about what horses can teach us in that safe space of safety is how to really connect into our body to ask that for that truth. Like, am I safe? And we, we aren't always, I mean, I'm, I'm always so grateful when I'm hiking with my dogs that I have rekindled this connection with my body. Cause my intuition always tells me when it's time to turn around or take a different path or put the dogs on leash or whatever the thing is, and the coyote comes around the corner, or there's a bear, or there's a family of elk, and you're like, huh, ah, thank you. And this is the difference between that, like the survival and safety thing too. You know, our our bodies are designed to tell us in that survival moment of like, listen now, like this is it now. There is no other, there is no um, hesitation. This is now, and you, it feels different, right? You feel it versus like, the um, illusion of all of these things that perhaps we're afraid of and creating the sense of not being safe when actually we we can be, we can be, it's actually a choice to say like right now there's no reason why I couldn't feel safe. I'm in my home. There's nothing going on. There's no external pressure that's coming in to tell me that I'm not safe yet. I can sit here and tell a story of all the reasons why I'm not safe. So for me, this is kind of like the big difference between the horse and the humans in that world and how humans can really learn from horses how to be in the truth of whether or not we're safe by being embodied and by and I, I'm not saying it's easy in any way, shape or form to move through those states the way that horses do, how they can be heightened in thirty seconds later back to grazing or back to resting or whatever it, it It's harder for humans, but it doesn't mean that it's not possible for us. It it requires a lot of consciousness and a lot of mindfulness to say, I'm I'm actually going to check in with my body around safety. I'm not going to let my mind make that decision for me. Because if we let the mind make the decision, then you're unsafe 98% of the time, most of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. And it's like it's finding that and creating in whatever way. One can because everybody's path is different, but creating that ability to move from the head to the heart, you know, and move into again the body that you've chosen to inhabit. Cause it like, in my opinion, all the information's there. So the work that you're doing is like, in my opinion, it's just so pivotal. I feel like you are your work. And that's really part of the medicine that you offer. Like in this conversation, I really feel it. Like you are your work. And I even felt that looking at your website, like everything that you're offering feels like it's just you, you know, it's not something like that's outside of you or that, you know, you had, it's just, it's an expression of truly of who you are and your essence and your life.
1: If I may, there is one more thing that was coming up around that safety. Yes, please. Uh, One of the parallels, if you will. And I think this is why kisses, um, you were feeling kisses kind of showing up. So something that I do find very fascinating, and this is, um, Something I really observe by just sitting and watching her dynamics is the herd only can be as balanced as the least balanced herd mate, meaning the one who is in the least kind of state of self-regulation. So when a horse comes in and they're in that state of imbalance, then the herd has to be overall more vigilant because there's a member of their herd who is potentially creating an unsafe space just mm-hmm. by them being there. Yeah. And I think that many of us, myself included, grow up in a family setting where there's a person.
0: Yeah. I was just thinking that. Who
1: creates right that that feeling of unsafety in the home all the time. Just by them being there, just their presence and in their absence. Because the question is always when are they coming back? I know they are and what state are they going to be in when they come back this also goes for horses who you know are taken out of a herd and ridden and have that separation anxiety right what state are they in who are they going to be when they come back who knows what's happened and so there's this 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 kind of um unrest right and this means that the herd has to be heightened even when environmentally it's safe meaning normally they could just rest but because there's this horse in their midst who is unbalanced it's harder and so they have to be they have to shift their roles meaning maybe more of them have to be on sentinel or someone has to be with that horse helping them to co-regulate when we grow up in these homes with somebody who is in a heightened state all the time or you know we can all think of an example it becomes really difficult to actually know well, what what's safe cuz we're in that heightened space of our nervous system all the time, you might not even know. And I think this is also why so many people get into the herd of horses who are regulated and balanced and they just start crying Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden their bodies let down. They entrain to that level of, of nervous system regulation that they've maybe never even experienced before. And it's a shock to the system. And all that they can do is cry because there's all of this emotion and and tension that's been built up over all this time and it finally starts to crack and release even just that little bit and this is such a power of horse medicine just being with horses like we always say there's no manufacturing of an experience it's not necessary and you couldn't if you tried because the way that i hold the work is the horses are all free so there there is no manufacturing but there doesn't need to be because so often all that person needs is just to be as if it's like just anything, but just to be in the space of that herd, of that feeling of safety within a herd of horses who are balanced and know their roles and fill them. When you're in this other space in your family system and you've got some, what role am I playing as a child who is afraid of mom or dad coming home in that state? Yeah. Right? Now, I'm not just free to be my... My childlike self, and we, I mean, my experience was I grew up really quickly, and there was always this underlying level of fear. So, how do you ever know if you can trust your body and the truth of whether or not you're safe if you never get to experience what it's like to actually just be in rest,
0: right? Yeah, to actually be held in a space that is also not about the other person. That's the thing, it is, and it isn't and hypervigilance is exhausting
1: 100 percent. and in the herd at least if the, that horse gets into a balanced herd they support that horse and they're able to then find their own path to self-regulation whereas in the family unit the human family unit if that person is so unconscious that they have no idea the impact they're having nor do they have the capacity to actually do their own healing work then that just becomes this wound that carries on and carries on and carries on and this is why I think so many at this time um and and in this even like certain age group that I'm noticing is like people who are now having kids who are like well hold on a second I don't want to carry that forward how do I start to heal this this piece of my ancestry this lineage this right and also without demonizing the person who truly wasn't capable of changing like that is a very real thing and so i just that felt strong to bring up this this parallel of safety that i think we do can, we do have in common with horses and how actually but horses have that ability to support their herd mates and and with humans it can be so much harder to do that because horses as non predatory animals they don't want to be in a state of dysregulation it's unsafe and so going back to that because the the primary thing is like safety but humans as i say when we create this situation in our minds it can be so hard to break out of it or see anything outside of that world and truly see ourselves and even though as you've mentioned many times life is this mirror right and but if we can't actually see it because we can't see outside of our own experience then life will just keep holding up the mirror, but nothing actually changes. And that's like, again, one of the big themes of going back to what you're asking about the bodywork process of like, and and when you're working with humans, we only can support those who truly desire to be in that space and, and on that journey. If we go in and just try to tell them, you know, all the things we know, right. Or all the things we see, but they're not open to receive it. It will not be received. So it's just this like really delicate balance and always checking in as well in ourselves too of like, how do I just be the support that's needed in this space? And I think the way the horses show that is like, know who you are and the role that you are here on this planet to fill. And there's of course range to that. We're not, you know, we're not singular people. We're multifaceted we have a range, but when we're so clear on that—that that inner calling and who we are and who we are in the world—it becomes so much easier to just be that all the time and not have this feeling that am I doing enough or could I be doing more or how do I d-? no just be you like that's genuinely the gift. You and I got on this call; we'd never met before. I felt your energy immediately, and I was like, ah, oh, this is safe right away. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful gift, and you can't manufacture that. You've done that through your own work. You've done that through cultivating that within yourself, whether or not that was the goal. It's an organic byproduct of you being the person you are a person who's working on yourself, who's devoted to your evolution and your higher consciousness. And it just happens. And then there you are, this beautiful light in the world everywhere you go. There's nothing else to do, really, right? And then you just get to open up and be the channel for whatever is needed. And so I'm so honored to have been on this podcast with you and in this space. And I'm so glad that you've created this podcast. um, And I can't wait to listen to it personally. (laughs) So I can hear all the other guests you have on and all of their beautiful wisdom alongside yours, um, because you have created such a really beautiful, safe space. So I thank you
0: for that. Wow. Thank you so much. I, I... I'm working through some really specific themes in my life right now that are so relevant to what you just said. So to hear that you felt safe and that you feel safe talking to me is such a gift in response. So thank you. Thanks, Angela. And I love everything you just said. As so many things I could say in response. But for now, I think, yeah, until next time. But just thank you. Thank you for your presence. And, yeah, I also... Uh, So, Angela has a podcast called Sovereign Sovereign Horse. Is that correct? Yes. And she's just offering so many incredible, incredible containers. Her website is equineelevation.com and her Instagram handle is at equineelevation. And do you want to say anything else about where people can find you, what you've got coming up before you go?
1: Uh, Those are the two best places. And um, no, we are in an interesting time of transition um myself and my herd so we have what i think is a very cool new offering coming but it's not fully it's not fully uh together yet so stay tuned on the instagram for that and on the website but uh if your interest is in truly knowing yourself as i was just saying um this container will be for you because uh as you said you know my work really is who i am and the for me, what I have been hit over the head with (laughs) about a million times is like, I am here to know who I am and to help others know who they are. Because Mm -hmm. I truly believe, and I, I learned this from the horses that when we anchor into that, that's all we need to do. Everything else kind of just falls into place from there because we start to move organically from that higher wisdom and from that Anchor within ourselves and from that inner safety that no one can create for us. It's we just no one can, but we can be in these beautiful spaces that are safe together and we can all the things that can happen the healing and the evolution and the expansion and the fun and like all of those things. And in order to show up really truly in those spaces, we have to know who we are. And I just feel like knowing who you are eliminates so much of like the human nonsense of like. That the ego gets caught in, and the competition, and the uncertainty, and like just all of the things. So, um, our our focus is really going to be like really deeply on who you are. And uh, I'm really excited because we're there's going to be a combination of things like we're going to be using horse medicine, but I'm also going to be bringing in human design and astrology yes. and energy work. Nice. And yeah, it's kind of it's a it's a I've been playing with like the cosmic codes container. So um, yeah, that. <laughs> It's it's so close, but uh, just life got a little bit wild on me there, so I'm I'm a little behind on it, but I'm excited I'm excited about it.
0: It's gonna come out at the right time, and I think life getting wild is just gonna be a contributing <laughs> a contributing factor to how badass <laughs> the new container is. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so everyone listening, keep an eye out for that because uh, just feeling what you're you're talking about, and what you're tapping into, it feels immense, and I'm so excited to check it out. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Angela. Thank you so much. And for everyone who's been here with us and who's listening, thank you for listening.